You know, and I think about states that have these economic growth and economic development arms. Yeah. If at the center of that is not economic inclusion and supplier inclusion, supplier diversity, Mm -hmm. then I'm not sure you're going to make your mark. I'm not sure that you're going to meet your goals, because if it's not inclusive of everyone in your state, then it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to really, really move the needle. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers and Building Higher Ground. You're joined this year again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here with Chloe Goodger-Reed. And today, it's just the two of us in studio, as a matter of fact. Yay! And we're going to talk about the differences between supplier diversity and economic inclusion and the importance of both, right? And you've heard us talk about a lot in the show. In fact, one of our guests last month talked about it a lot, right? He mm. talked about moving supplier diversity, the name of the the group of people, right? For your supplier diversity officers to economic inclusion. Yes. Right. And and so I'm sure a really lot of you output. were like- Yes. The output, right. The yeah. output of it is, right? And, and you guys have heard us talk about economic impact studies and how important economic impact is in a, just a variety of different ways. And, and and we want to take some time to kind of break it down. Let's talk a little bit. How, do, how does it intermarry? How does it work with supplier diversity? Okay. So I want to start by just defining oh, good idea. diversity. Because yes. we're all so, about education on this show too. And- Absolutely. Absolutely. And what a supplier diversity program really is. So Mm -hmm. a supplier diversity program is a proactive business program, which encourages the Mm -hmm. use of minority owned, women owned, veteran owned, LGBTQ owned, service disabled veterans, all of the SBA certifications, including um, HUBZone, including 8A, and all of the small business administration certifications that define what it means to be small and diverse. Correct. Correct. And I think what I want to point out here is, is just two things real quick. One, when we say service di- service disabled veteran owned, we're talking about all veterans, all, all, all veterans, veterans, right? Yes. You don't have to, you don't have to you be don't service have to be disabled. disabled. No, you don't. Right. I know a number of our a number of my businesses are, but that you don't have to be to get Absolutely. that certification. Yes. Uh, and but did you notice in the definition it said program, right? Oh, yeah. This can't be, yeah, this isn't just something you guys are doing as a, you know, a part-time thing or, you know, it's just a kind of a nice to have. It's like, oh, hey, look, we have a supplier diversity program. It's defined in our overarching company strategy, yeah. but you're not doing anything with it. Right. Yeah. So true supplier diversity is an actual program yeah. bringing all of this together. Yeah. Or an actual you know, practice, meaning like this right. is something that's evolving. Like this is mm-hmm. something our organization is practicing on a regular basis and it's evolving, yeah. you know, too. Yeah. It doesn't have a start or a stop end date. I think no. 
you know, we talked about this episodes, episodes ago about the, you know, mm-hmm. language and terms that we use when we think about program and actual a practice, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of these consulting firms, they say, oh, this is our technology practice, or this is mm-hmm. our supplier diversity practice, meaning it's mm-hmm. an ongoing concerted intentional exactly. effort. Exactly. Exactly. And one that we're constantly learning in, right? Yes. I know I'm constantly learning in it. And there's Absolutely. always new ideas and new thoughts and new thought leadership. So yeah, it is a practice for sure. Right. And so when you think about economic inclusion, mm-hmm. how would you define that? So economic inclusion is the opening up of economic opportunities, if you will, mm-hmm. to underserved social groups. Uh, it's integral to achieving a transition towards sustainable market economies. Yes. Uh, an inclusive market economy ensures that anyone, regardless of their gender, place of birth, family background, age, or other circumstances over which they have no control, right, has full and fair access to labor markets. Full uh, and fair. Full and fair access to labor markets, finance, uh, entrepreneurship, and, you know, more generally, economic opportunity, right? The ability to earn and to thrive and to scale. And inclusion is kind of thus an intrinsic element of a sustainable market economy. Remember, we had that guest last year that called it ethical sourcing. Yeah, that's what that's what it is. Right. So ethical sourcing can be thought of being economically inclusive. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. And I think that, you know, economic inclusion is really the vehicle that that really sort of powers, you know, supplier diversity as we know it. And it's really the output Mm -hmm. of these programs and these practices. And so, yeah. I think if we think, if we think, you know, with the end in mind, you know, as, Mm -hmm. as Stephen Covey, I'm sure he'd be very happy about this (laughs) thinking with the end in mind. Right. But if we think about the end in mind of wanting to create economic inclusion, where Mm -hmm. do we need to start? And Mm -hmm. I think companies need to think about how do we make sure that our suppliers, our diverse suppliers and our supplier diversity programs and practices are sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's key, right? And sustainability. We're talking about yep. sustainability all over the place now. Absolutely. Right? And and it's not. It's no longer just enough to say we have a program. Look, I have X number of vendors in my program. I'm spending yeah. X number of dollars. So what? Yeah. Right? I mean, it comes down to my people saying, oh, I, I include one diverse supplier in every RFP that we send out. I'm like, okay, great. Well, how many of them won? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right? So important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it comes back to our favorite word, intentionality. Intentionality. Right? Supplier diversity with intentionality drives economic inclusion. You know, and I think about states that have these economic growth and economic development arms. Yeah. If at the center of that is not economic inclusion and supplier inclusion, supplier diversity, Mm -hmm. then I'm not sure you're going to make your mark. I'm not sure that you're going to meet your goals because if it's not inclusive of everyone in your state, then it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to really, really move the needle. Yeah, it is. It is. And if you're not providing substantive opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not going to move that needle either. Right. right. It's just like, you're just kind of throwing the the leftover crumbs out yeah. there and saying, oh, look, we're doing supplier diversity. I'm like, well, what major project are they on? Right. Where, where yeah. are they really showing the thought leadership? Where are they helping drive the innovation? Where are they helping drive the shape of this project? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you said it earlier when you were defining it, fair access to, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that any opportunities mm-hmm. are democratized across the state or across your cities or across your region is critical right. to economic growth and economic inclusion as well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the whole concept of supplier diversity has really kind of taken on a new tone and tenor, 
right? Yes. It's, it's really kind of wild. We decided to do this podcast over a year ago, right? Just because we wanted to, we're both passionate about the space, but yeah. in that time that we kicked it off, it, the topic itself has just become Boom. on fire, right? Yes. Boom. So in, in your mind, right. And you've had the benefit of kind of being on both sides, yeah. small business owner, corporate America, yeah. black female. I mean, you've kind of got this great 360 view, mm-hmm. right? The so three-legged in your mind, stool is what I call it. One hundred percent. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> yes. I would. Yes. I would never call my friend a three-legged stool, though. So I'm just glad no, you did that. And that no, wasn't not me. me. I mean, the idea is that, like, now you have something to sit on because you've got all these. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just have to have fun. Uh, but let me get to my. Let me get to my actual question. What do you think then makes supplier diversity so powerful? Right. Because it used to be, oh, look, it's the supplier diversity team. You kind of felt like you got patted on the head by all the strategic Mm. sourcing people. Right. But now all of a sudden they're wanting you at the table. Right. And you're starting to find. But so talk to it. What what do you think is making it so powerful all of a sudden? I mean, I think what's making it so powerful is we all of a sudden, you know, I think we just opened our eyes and realized, you know, Mm -hmm. as corporations, like, wait a minute, we could this could if we do this well. This could really affect every aspect of our business from right. increasing our sales, from driving our finances and, and you know, just P&L and EBITDA in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This could help drive operational efficiencies. Um, this could also help us with meeting any sort of economic inclusion that goals that we have, depending on which mm-hmm. state you're in, because a lot of large companies have requirements around that. So there's mm-hmm. the compliance pieces, but there's also, gosh, we just want to make sure that our suppliers look like our customers because Temple, our customers end up growing. Our customer right. base ends up growing if our supply right. base ends up being inclusive. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's starting to, the conversation is starting to get more eyes because I think more and more companies are starting to see the true impact of what these programs are making. And and oh, by the way, and the lack thereof and what oh, that also, how that yes. also affects their brands and how it also negatively impacts their bottom line. No, that's that's an excellent point, right? The absence of it is just as loud as the presence of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just really what's um, made it so powerful today and also mm-hmm. so impactful. Yeah, most definitely. So what do you think about, you know, um, as we think about you know, the 21st century and Mm -hmm. just modern America, you know, what are some ways that we can help marry this idea between supplier diversity and economic inclusion? Because sometimes I I still think it's like, it is not always together. I don't think people make that connection. No, it's not always there. And I, and I think it really comes down to siloed thinking, right. And Mm -hmm. on the way, the practitioners and, and, because a lot of times a supplier diversity program starts out of, oh, we need more MBEs, WBEs in our program, right? Yeah. And so somebody in sourcing Drive our says, numbers hey, up. Like we got right, you know, these numbers. Right. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden somebody in sourcing says, well, I know, uh, you know a black owner or I know a woman owner. I know a veteran, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, yeah. I, I know an LGBTQ owned company. And yeah. then all of a sudden they're brought in, right? And then somebody goes, aha, supplier diversity conquered, right? We have diverse suppliers. And yeah. they kind of missed the overall picture. Yes. Right. And and so I think what has happened is, and we're starting to see a change a little bit. I'm, and I'm starting to see a change in job descriptions that are out there. Right. Oh. And it used to be that supplier diversity was like, you know, you it had a very heavy HR, DE&I feel to it. Not that that's a bad thing. Don't get me yeah. wrong. So I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing our HR partners out there, but it had a very heavy HR feel to it. Mm. And as you and I both know, from having come from the sourcing side of industry, 
it's a very different world to be a sourcing, to write contracts yeah. and negotiate contracts, to understand the sourcing policies and procedures that com- the way companies buy things. I'm now starting to see in the job descriptions, it's like, want to have, you know, two to three years prior procurement experience. Yeah. Right. So now some of these supplier diversity roles are starting to have a procurement flavor to them because mm. they're realizing that for it to be a sustainable program, you have to have somebody in there that can explain it, not just explain it internally, but explain it externally. Right. Because right. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to suppliers that are frustrated. Yeah. You know, they're like, I talked to so and so over here and they just I felt like I kind of got the runaround. Yeah. They're like, we come over here and you actually talk to us about process and the procedure and the risks and the, you know, the nits and the nats have kind of come in and out of it. So it's good to be able to explain that, but then also to explain it internally and why there is not this huge perceived risk, right? That sometimes our sourcing partners have of, oh my goodness, that's a diverse business. Yeah. Right? And they picture, I've, I think I've said it on the show before, they picture this mom and pop shop being run out of a garage, you know, with sketchy bookkeeping and, you yeah. know, Lord knows what's going on. And so I think you have to have that ability then to talk the language on both sides, to translate it. Right. And, right. and so, you know, I think as we are moving forward, to move beyond the just the reporting of it, it's like, oh, look, I have X percent of suppliers. I've got X percent of spend. And I, it, you have to understand what does that mean? And we've had right. some guests on here talk about that, right? Talk yeah. about the, when I spend a dollar with a diverse company, I'm not just paying off an invoice. If we stop at the, I've paid my invoice and my, my financial obligations are now done because I've paid my invoice on time, you're missing what's really happening on the back end. And on the back end, you're seeing that dollar then spread throughout the community that that business mm-hmm. is in. Yeah. And when you start looking at that, now we're talking about not just sustaining a business or a family, we're talking about sustaining a community. We're starting talking about, and you know, there's a lot, been a lot of conversation about the wealth gap. Yes. When we spend money with diverse companies, we help contribute to mitigating that wealth gap. Right. Right. And if that's a very important thing to do, and a lot of people like, oh, well, that just means, you know, free money or we're trying to give, no, by actually by closing that wealth gap, what we're actually doing is raising the tax base. Right. So if you want to think about it as an overall economic impact, Yes. When you close the wealth gap, you increase your tax base. When you increase your tax base, that means we can do more things. We can improve. We can invest in smart communities. We can invest in schools, higher education. We can make some things much infrastructure. We can make things so much more accessible to everybody. And then everybody wins. Wins. Right? Wins. We've got to stop. Crime, too. Like, let's talk about the negative effects that that actually end up going down. Because if people have access to equal access to opportunity, then these impoverished areas or neighborhoods. They don't see one way out. They see multiple ways out. There's now a strategy to get out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then we can start improving on some of just overall quality of life. When you think about just access to quality food, we we eliminate some of these food deserts, you know, access to quality healthcare. neighborhoods start to grow and develop. And then all the supporting services are able to come in and support them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a far stretch to say if done correctly and done on scale. Quality projects, quality opportunity, again, equal access. We talked about that at the beginning. If we truly change our mindset, that we can have a major impact on some of the ills that we are trying to solve today through governmental programs. And I'm not saying that's bad either. Please don't get me wrong. That's great. Nope, exactly. But but But. think about how much that would be reduced and then think about where then that money can be spent. Right, because then rising tides lift all Raise boats. I mean, that's the whole thing. Exactly. If we stop, taking supplier diversity and being pure this race versus that race or this 
uh, you know, orientation versus that orientation, realize that if we help everybody, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Yes. Like this isn't a, oh, these are just for minorities. Like this is just something right. that, you know, why should I even care about this? Oh, correct. There's a lot of reasons why you there's should a lot care of reasons. about this. Yeah. Because yeah. your tax yeah. dollars could actually be reallocated to other things like Thank infrastructure you. and yes. like education and like yes. all these and transportation and all these yes. other things um, yes. to your point. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's what moves it out of the let's talk about how many diverse firms I have in play to the how do we really reshape the world? How do we reshape the conversation? I love it. And I mean, I'm open to hearing what others have to say about. Oh, yeah. Too. Are you kidding? We'd love to hear it. We, we like to have uh, new ideas. If you've got yeah. some new ideas, challenge them of ideas. We'd like to hear that too. So, you know, it's yeah. a conversation. It has to be a conversation. It has to be two way, right? There has to be give and take in it. There has to be point counterpoint. And, and we can't, we can't also walk away with our feelings hurt, right? If somebody has mm. a differing opinion, if they have a differing opinion and they present it correctly. Don't scream mm. at me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Don't turn this into an argument. If you want to have an actual conversation, let's have it, right? Let's, let's talk it. about it. Let's, yeah. let's discuss this. Let's work through it. Let's reason together. Yes. Don't have an argument with me, but also don't fall out crying on me either. So yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have to be able to have a conversation and challenge your thoughts and challenge your thinking. And yes, you know, I I, oftentimes even people in my own peer groups, like you can sometimes challenge their thinking around some of this and they just, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, talk to me. Yes. Yeah. So it's just, it's important that we're open and have these dialogues. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this new year as we tackle some of these really yes, right? critical issues around the economics behind supplier mm-hmm. diversity and mm-hmm. the programs that are in place and mm-hmm. how they actually benefit society on a larger scale. Yeah. And I think, Chloe, with the help of our audience, we need to start changing the conversation. Absolutely. Not of a I have a supplier diversity program and oh, look at this cool economic impact report that right. I've generated. Yes. But but let's all of us start working on putting that together and realizing that economic impact is just part of the job of supplier diversity. And we need to keep our fingers on the pulse of it. Absolutely. And we need and let's dive deep into those numbers, right? Let's yes. let's let's move beyond the just standard reporting. What does that really what does that really mean? Right. When mm. I say that we had a billion dollars economic impact, what okay, what does that what does that mean? And more than just, oh, generate X number of jobs or sustain X number of salaries. Let's really That's dive weird. into it. What does that mean for generational wealth? What does that mean uh, for, ooh, gen- I really you know, want to see that. right? What does that mean? Have, have I, through supplier diversity, moved a family from a day-to-day salary, hand-to-mouth kind of living? Where they're still paying check their bills. Check. Don't get me wrong. Check, check to check, to check is what we call it. Yes. Yeah. But they have a substantial salary. Now they're building generational wealth. Yep. Now they're saving. Now they're planning. Now they're able to afford better sort of educational programs right. and supplementary right. programs for their children, which right. in turn, I mean, education is the key to everything here. Yes. You know what I mean? It is. And so when you think about just overall prosperity, having that extra income, you know, just lifts people out of poverty situations that otherwise are hard to get out of. It's hard to get out of. So I think that I'm looking forward to just tackling some of these hard to to figure out issues that are very, very, very layered. But as corporations and small businesses, making sure that we all understand what our role is in it and Mm -hmm. how we can lift this tide. Most definitely. And I look forward to having those conversations with you. Yes. So 
If this episode was helpful to you, be sure to leave us some reviews. And of Please. course, we also want to hear your comments and your thoughts around Most you know, how supplier diversity connects directly to the economic inclusion of our cities and our states and our region yes. and our nation as a whole. Yes, most be, definitely. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore. And if you enjoyed this episode, check out previous shows and stay tuned for this amazing new season this year. See you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.